if you turn it with me today, we're going to be in Romans 12. Starting in Romans 12. Uh, Romans 12, verse 15. Um, so, as most of you know, it's been a, been a pretty rough week. A couple, few different things. Um, most of you know about Rebecca and RJ and Addie being in the hospital and we'll talk a little bit about that in the message and um we've been there a lot and then my cousin Lonnie uh they've kind of started unhooking him from machines that are keeping him alive uh, we've worked together for a long time a lot of you know Lonnie so pray for him and that whole side of the family he's still alive but without a miracle it won't be much longer um so I had a couple of, you know, I had a message that I was thinking of last week and working on while we were at Jesus Jam thinking about, and it just really didn't seem right. It was pretty funny, but uh, so maybe it'll be for a time in the future. So, but if it's okay with you guys, I'm just going to go a completely different way, and it may not be that polished, but I just want to talk a little bit about pain and and suffering and mourning and and that there's joy and hope even in the worst times that you can face. Like there's still peace. There's still hope. And, and what we believe is still true. Even more so in the hard times than not. I heard this story about an old Italian man that lived in New York. And... Uh, it came early spring when he usually digs up the garden and he digs up his big garden spot and, or his son would dig up the garden spot, Vinny. And uh, usually there in New York, he said the ground's really hard that time of year and he likes to get out there and break up the ground. Well, his son got mixed up with the wrong crowd and was doing some things he shouldn't have and he got thrown in jail. He was locked up in prison and uh, he wasn't getting out. He was on some murder charges. So the old man really wanted to plant his tomatoes because he would grow enough tomatoes in his garden. The old Italian man, he would cook his sauce and stuff all year with his fresh tomatoes. And, and he went out there and tried to dig it, but he was too old. He couldn't, he couldn't break through the hard ground and he just couldn't do it physically. And so he sent a letter to his son jail and said son I'm really missing you and I'm really missing you right now because I tried to try to dig up the garden and it just didn't work like I can't I can't physically do it and I know you can't come help me but I'm realizing now how much of a help you've been over the last few years and so Vinny writes a letter back that says uh, please don't dig anywhere in your tomato garden that's where I hid the bodies and they're all around in there so don't dig anywhere in the tomato garden the next day the feds showed up with backhoes and shovels and all kind of stuff and 50 men surrounded the tomato garden and dug the whole thing up dug up all the grass dug nice and deep and put it and then realized they found nothing 
So they kind of put the dirt back and smoothed it out for the old man and left it kind of smooth, but it was all broken up and they dug down six feet deep, broke it all up. Then Vinny sent another letter that said, hey, Papa, go ahead and plant the tomatoes. This was the best I could do considering my current situation. Some of you want to help the ones that you love, but you can't. You sometimes you want to help somebody that you love, but your hands are tied. There's nothing you can do. And you need to know that there is something. There's something much more powerful that you can do. There's a God that will go before you. Your prayers are powerful. You can speak it. You can write a letter. You can sing it. You can pray it. Sin had a sentence to death. But because of the cross, because of the obedience of Jesus, we have access to God's power. My Bible tells me that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and you. It lives in us. Romans 8 tells us that. Paul said, in my weakness, his strength is perfected. The areas where I can't is where his strength is made perfect. The areas where I don't know what to do is where he can be seen the strongest. It's the areas where he can come through the best. He can speak the loudest. C.S. Lewis said that pain is God's megaphone. Get our attention. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. You know you don't always have to have the right words. You don't. Sometimes it's okay. I don't know. God, I don't get you. I don't understand why. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with them that rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Sometimes you just need to weep with somebody. Sometimes there's nothing that's going to make it better. You just got to weep with them. That's what we need. You got to let it out. Crying is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. If you don't mourn, you don't heal. You have to mourn a loss or you will never have healing. You won't get over it. You'll get through it. Weep with them that weep. I think about the story of Jesus when Lazarus died. Jesus, the God-man. He knew what 
was going to happen. He knew who he was. He knew the power that God had given him. And, and he came, and Lazarus's sisters met him out there, and they said, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And they were just so upset with the current situation that their brother was dead. And Jesus cried with them. Shortest verse in the Bible. It's two words. Jesus wept. He felt it. We know that he was going to go raise him from the dead, but Jesus cried with them. He wept. He felt their pain. It's okay to not understand. Y'all remember that story we talked about uh, probably a year ago um, about David. And David was going to go do something crazy. King David. He was going to go by himself up into the Philistines' garrison with all these warriors, and it was pretty much death. It was a bad plan, bad idea. And he told one person that he was going to do it, his nephew, Abishai. And Abishai wasn't too confident. You go read the, the story in the Message Bible. It says that Abishai whispered to David, he whispered. He wasn't even confident enough to say it out loud. He leaned over and he whispered to David, I'll go with you. It's not a good plan. I, I don't even understand, but I'll go with you. I told RJ and Rebecca earlier this week, I, I don't know why. I weep with you. And I promise you we'll see God in it and through it. But it's okay to not understand. It's okay to ask why. Remember when Jesus was on the cross dying and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Job had everything taken from him. All his kids died at the same time. And, and Job asked over and over and over, why? Why, God? It's okay for you to ask God why. Obedience is proven when you don't understand or agree. But as long as somebody's telling you what you want to hear and you agree with everything they're saying, it's not hard to obey. I mean, if I'm telling my son, Sky, Sky, you listen to me right now. Go to the back of the room and eat all the candy. It's not hard for Sky to obey. When God's telling us something we want to hear, when God's taking us through an easy time, when God's pouring out blessings on us, that's easy to obey. Of course you obey God. Here you go, son. Here's a blessing. Yes, sir, I obey. Here, eat some candy. Okay. Hey, clean your room. Ah. I've been obeying. Track record said I've obeyed more than not. I Obedience is proven when you don't understand or when you don't agree. That's when it really counts. 
That's when it really matters. Obedience always comes with risk. Remember, in the kingdom of God, we don't measure success by wins and losses. Success is measured by obedience. And obedience always comes with risk. You can see it throughout the Bible. I can look back on my life. There's always a risk. I always have to trust. I always have to have faith. Fear's always there. If I was fearless, I couldn't be courageous. God calls us to be courageous. Obedience often comes with reward, but not always. Sometimes we don't see a reward. Definitely not immediate. Sometimes it's chaotic. It's not my plan. But don't miss the moments. Because what I've seen is that's usually the reward. The moments. The time. Those little moments in between. The moments of joy. The moments of God's power coming through. The the moments where you find out what you're really made of. Who you really rely on. Obedience is required for restoration. Think about that. Look throughout the Bible and through different stories. And if you want to see a restoration, you've got to learn how to obey. I love in uh, John chapter 1 where it's talking about um, the Word became flesh. And uh, the Message Bible, go read it. Go read John chapter 1. That's your homework. Uh, Read it in the Message version. It's really cool, but uh, it says uh, Jesus or the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That God moved into the neighborhood got up close and personal saw what we had to deal with he felt our pain you have not a high priest that is not easily touched with the feelings of your infirmities you know sometimes we try to hide from God or maybe y'all don't Sometimes I do. We try to hide from God just like Adam did the very first in the garden. He heard him coming and he ran and hid. You can't hide from God. But that doesn't stop us from trying. See, the goal is to hear. We talk a lot about hearing. Hearing God's voice. To to hear, but if we just hear and we don't obey then it does no good to hear. James teaches us that. It, it does no good if we, if we learn how to hear the voice of God and, and He's our shepherd and we hear His voice and we know He's talking and we know where He's talking and this is my church and so if I go there on Sunday that I believe God's speaking to me, but if I don't obey, then it does no good to hear. 
So we have to hear and obey. It's real hard to obey if you're not hearing. You kind of need both. We got to hear and obey, but sometimes we hear and hide because what we hear we don't like or we disagree with or we're scared of. We hear and we hide. Look at Psalm 46, 1. Psalm 46, 1. God is a safe place to hide. God is a safe place to hide. You know, sometimes we hide in dangerous places. We can hide in a bar or on a website or on our phone or we can hide in a career. We can hide behind anger. We can hide in depression. We can hide in pornography. We can hide in there. There's all kind of places we hide from God. We can hide in excuses. We can hide in questions of why that we don't understand. God is a safe place to hide. Ready to help when we need Him. Ready to help when we need Him. What does that mean? Because we always need Him. We don't always realize we need Him. When we need Him, He's ready to help. He's waiting, ready. When we finally get done trying to do it ourselves, He's ready. Oh, now you need me. You ever stood back and watched a kid trying to do something until they finally decide, okay, Dad, I need you. Like, okay, Mom, I can't get this. I need your help. Okay, now I'm going to help you. When we need Him. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And that verse is kind of puzzling. Like, I was thinking about that. Like, without me, yes, I can. See, I can do a lot of things without you. I promise you that. He said, without me, you can do nothing. He didn't say, without me, you can't do anything. The truth is, we can do lots of things without him. I mean, I can have a marriage without him. I can build a career without him. I can even be in ministry without him. I can do all kinds of things without him but they will all amount to nothing it's like a castle on the sand of the seashore they're, they're here today gone tomorrow they'll they'll fade away they will have no meaning no they won't last without me you can do nothing everything that you do amounts to nothing you contribute to the nothingness
It's like sandcastles on the seashore. David said, my heart and flesh long for you. God, I must have you. Remember when, when Jesus preached some stuff and everybody left and walked away and Jesus looked at the disciples and said, hey, y'all going to go too? Is it too hard to follow me? Is, this, is it too much? Are you going to go too? And Peter said, Lord, where else will we go? Like We got nowhere else to go. You're the only one that has the words of eternal life. The truth is, there were places Peter could go. He could have gone back to fishing. He could have gone back and done these things. But what's he saying? That now we've tasted of the life that you offer. We've tasted of you. Now to go back to what I had before would be nothing. Without you, it's nothing. It doesn't amount to anything. And in a hundred years, it'll be gone. Why would I go back to fishing? Why would I? No. He said, where would we go? We can't leave you. One time God was talking to Moses and he said, wherever you go, I'm sending you to take the land and your inheritance and wherever you go, my presence will go with you. Make a way for you. And like a few verses later, Moses said, God, without your presence, don't send us up from this place. God, we don't want to go without you. God already said he was going with you. But it's the heart. The heart that David had. God, I must have you. Whatever it takes. I don't want to go through hard things and not get better. I I don't want to go through pain and miss the beauty. We stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom. Fearless. Courageous in sea storm and earthquake. Before the rush and roar of oceans. The tremors that shift mountains. What's he saying? Stuff that's completely out of our control. Jacob wrestling God fights for us. God of angel armies protects us. If God is for me, who can stand against me? That's faith. That's trust. That's hope. Now, when you start comparing your suffering to someone else's suffering, there's no hope or faith in that. There's no trust in that. You compare what you've been through to what somebody else has been through or what you're going through to what they've... There's no hope or trust in that. Don't compare your suffering. Look at Psalms 51. Psalms 51, 16. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart-shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. God is near to the brokenhearted. 
Somebody just needs to know today that he sees you. God sees you. He feels your pain. He knows what you've been through. And he can work it together. He will sustain you. Look at John 14, 26. But the comforter. Anybody need some comfort? You ever been in a place in your life where you need comfort? If not, you will. Trust me. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So he'll teach you all things and he'll bring all things to your remembrance. He'll remind you. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Hmm. So we're talking about listening and obeying. Here, Jesus is telling us that the source, our source of life, the Holy Spirit, the wind of God, the breath of God, our source of of power, that He's the Comforter and that He will teach you and remind you when you plug in. And you listen. You know you can't remember something that you never knew. It says that that's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of what God said. But if you ain't never listened to what He said or put His Word in, there's nothing there to remind you of. It's like if I go to your cabinet to try to cook you a meal and I open it up and there are no ingredients in there. And I'm scratching around like, man, what am I going to do? I got one pack of ramen noodles and a, a stale box of cereal. That's like the Holy Spirit in some of our minds sometimes. Like, my God, he's in a storm. He needs some help. My job is to remind him what God said, but he ain't listened to what. They've got nothing in there. It's an empty space. So it's hard to get comfort. got to give him something to work with <laughs> he's trying to remind you you can't remember what you didn't know or what you didn't hear he will teach you and remind you when you pray and worship when you plug in when when you come to church and listen for the words and listen for his voice and the holy spirit comes up out of us in our midst when we come together that's what's so powerful about corporate worship about the corporate word that we can come together and, and God promised that he would be there in our midst. That means he would come up out of us and be there tangible in the midst that we could see him and feel him and touch him. God is a filler, not a forcer. He will fill every space. that you create for him. You create an atmosphere for him. You give him a space and I promise he'll fill it. In a moment, you can choose 
to make space for the Holy Spirit and for God in any moment. I promise you, no matter how bad it is, if you make space for Him, He will fill it. But He won't force. He won't force His way into your situation. He won't force His way into your thoughts, into your, your mind. Into, he won't force. But every time you make space, He'll fill it. Psalm 34, 17. And I'll wrap it up. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of contrite spirit. Many, many are the afflictions or the tortures of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. God will deliver you out of them all. I remember if you were here, we looked at this. I don't know when, several weeks ago or a while back, we looked at this. And that, that word affliction means tortures. And it's specifically talking about, it's a Hebrew word for an Assyrian form of torture where they would tie you to a pole and they would stack rocks on you until you died. One after another, after another, after another, until the weight of the rocks finally was so much that it would begin to crush your bones, crush your organs. They would just keep on piling rocks on. Slow, painful form of torture. That's what the word that's what word they chose to use there. That's what it's talking about. Many are the afflictions, the tortures. You ever felt like that? I can't handle one more thing. My, if one more rock gets put on me, I'm going to break. It's going to crush my soul. If I get one more phone call, if one more family member goes in the hospital, if one more bad thing happens, if one more accident, if one more, you fill in the blank. I'm pretty sure we've all been there emotionally, physically, mentally. Like, I can't take one more thing. So... Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. So does that mean that he gets me out of everything that I get in? Nope. Well, what did that mean? It means he's in everything with you. He walks through everything with you. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me there you know if if Sky's trying to go to sleep in his room and he's scared of something but I come and stand in the room he's not scared anymore well, because whatever he was scared of is still there or not there or whatever but something that's bigger and more powerful 
that he knows his father loves and cares for him. Now I'm in the picture and he is reminded that I am there in the room with him Then it takes away the fear. That's what the psalmist is doing. You don't downplay someone else's pain or fear or tortures. But if you remind them, God's with you. God's here. What we did during worship today, you remind yourself, you preach to yourself, you remind yourself how big our God is. And it takes away the fear because you, you are reminded and you remember and you realize and the Holy Spirit causes you to remember how big God is and how many times he's come through in the past and your faith grows. Strength arises when you remember how, it doesn't change the circumstances and it doesn't make things better. That they're still bad. But you remember how much bigger God is and that's what gives you the strength. Yeah, there's still sorrow. But sometimes the best thing you can do for somebody that's going through a hard time is to, to remind them how big God is and just say like Abishai, I'll go with you. Remember how big Dad is? And remember, I'll go with you, shoulder to shoulder, whatever comes. God is big, and that takes away the fear. So God will deliver you out of them all. He is our ever-present help in time of need. So I know you guys hadn't got to see her, and I, I just wanted to tell you about my niece, Addie, Adeline. And I can't show you a picture because that's RJ and Rebecca's to share. But I'm pretty sure I know where you can go find one if you want to see her. If you go look in the dictionary, look up the word fighter, and I'm pretty sure they'll have her picture there. And right behind her, you'll see Rebecca and RJ. Y'all, they're champions. I'm so proud of them. Man, I thought last year when, when me and Joe did brawl for calls and I trained like crazy. I don't, I've never trained that hard for anything in my life and thought I learned how to fight and Joe knocked his guy out. Man, I thought we were fighters. I thought I was tough. I got nothing on them. I can't imagine walking through something like that and still having that much joy and hope and love and just peace or fruit. They're two of the most generous people I know. They give their time, their money, their talents, their everything. RJ has literally given me the shoes off his feet before. And man, there's some fruit. 
So earlier this week, Monday night, they had a giant Goliath. He was screaming at them. And we talked about David and Goliath the last couple weeks. He was screaming loud. And I watched both of them go to the valley. And they hit their knees in a posture of worship. Just like David picking up those stones. They've been doing it for months. Rebecca's been standing up here leading and worshiping. She's been picking up stones. Monday night, I had the privilege of being at the hospital. And Goliath yelled loud. And they ran with courage. They weren't timid. They ran. The giant of fear was screaming. The giant of doubt and depression and why. He was loud. And he was ugly. And they stopped him in his tracks. So they had full pouches of smooth stones. They were full. Don't miss a moment. Because they're not. There's going to be giants. And I will never pray that God takes away your giants. I pray that you learn to slay them. And that you prepare and that you have courage and that you would run at them. I pray that for myself. God, send me a bigger giant next year than this year. Let us be known as giant slayers. We won't miss the moments. Life is full of moments. And I have found that there is always precious in the pain. Always. But you must focus. You know, we've heard it said in different ways, and I've preached it in different ways and heard it from other people, but when a trial comes, when hard times come, when, when pain hits, when your giant shows up, however you want to word it, when you're squeezed... And what's really inside you, that's what comes out. Well, I tell you right now, they weren't lying. They weren't faking. It wasn't a mask that RJ and Rebecca had on. Because I can't imagine you getting squeezed any harder. And what came out was life. What came out looked like Jesus. This is a defining moment for them and for you. I told them at the hospital, I was just praying for them, and I felt like God said this is a defining moment. They'll never be the same. They'll never be the same. 
And, and the funny thing about it is, and this is what I shared with them, is most of the time in our lives, we don't know we're in a defining moment when it's happening. We only know it looking back. Right? We only know it's a defining moment in the future when we look back. about to be a defining moment for that computer screen <laughs> and it can be a good defining moment or a bad one like you can look back on a moment in your life and say man that's the that's the moment where that was a defining moment in my life that can be good or bad most of the time we don't know it till we're looking back but for them they saw this one coming they knew it was before it got there. They know it is now. And I promise you they'll get better, not bitter. They already have. Their marriage, their power in the spirit, their influence will grow. We can get mad. We can get bitter. Or we can find joy and get better. In this life, you will have pain. And it will change you. But you get to decide how it will change you. It can make you better or worse. It can make you bitter. Or you can get sweeter. You can be like wine or milk. Take a gallon of milk wait about a year things are going to get nasty that's why you know when some people get older if you're more like milk you're just going to get white and chunky and bitter <laughs> I don't want to be like milk I want to be like wine the older I get the more valuable I become the older I get, the better I get. You choose. Milk or wine. Pain and suffering, it's not meaningless. It's working. It's better to hurt with purpose than to exist without one. It's better to have loved and lost than to never love. Every millisecond of pain in the path of obedience is producing a particular glory. That's what Paul said. It's doing something. So don't lose heart. But take the truth. And day by day, preach it to yourself. Focus on life until your heart sings with confidence in your Creator. Don't focus on what you don't have because you'll miss the moments that are right in front of you. You'll miss the time that you have focusing on stuff that doesn't matter. You'll look around and your kids will be grown and you'll look around and your opportunities will be passed and, and you will miss the moments. Don't miss the moments. 
don't look back on life and realize you miss the joy and the peace and the hope and, and the moments that God had for you. Focus. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you're a good Father and that you love us and that you give us strength. God, we thank you that you speak to our hearts and our minds. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit that is our comforter. God, today I pray that you would comfort your people, that you would comfort your body. I pray for the peace that passes understanding. God, we love you. Thank you for healing. I thank you that you're the way maker, that you are the miracle worker and that we trust you and we know that nothing is impossible because you're the God of miracles. Thank you for hope. We have hope for the future. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.